Welcome to Healthcare Experience Matters. This podcast is brought to you by the Healthcare Experience Foundation and is dedicated to transforming the healthcare experience so that every person can receive and deliver the best care. We invite you to learn more by visiting healthcareexperience.org. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to our Healthcare Experience Foundation webinar series tips and resources for giving feedback and and how do we overcome impression management. I'm Katie Owens with Healthcare Experience Foundation. So excited to see some familiar names registered for our time together today. Just as an overview, the Healthcare Experience Foundation is an organization devoted to working with hospitals and health systems to shape culture so that every person can receive and deliver the best healthcare experience. And I'm excited to share with you one of the most frequently requested topics right now, which is how to support um, leaders, staff, and physicians with giving feedback, giving feedback, managing information up to reporting supervisors, peer-to-peer with staff and physicians, and how to address that murky middle. Um, So just by way of background, I get to serve as the president and co-founder of the Healthcare Experience Foundation, have spent the last 20 years working in healthcare across um, for-profit, not-for-profit, academic healthcare organizations, the last 12 of those years, coaching leader staff and physicians at over 500 organizations, and really honored to represent our extraordinary team at Healthcare Experience Foundation. We want to explore what gets in the way of effective feedback, review some principles of impression management, share with you a tool to evaluate our blind spots, and then review with you something we could spend an entire afternoon on, um, our five steps for giving feedback. So we'll do an overview. So we're going to buckle up and cover a lot of ground today. When we're working with somebody who may lack the self-awareness or avoid soliciting it, so it feels like we're giving unsolicited, maybe not asked for feedback, neither person wants to risk awkward confrontations or an emotional wake of fallout as a result of it. So we end up giving kind of half-hearted compliments because we're not quite sure what to say or half-hearted constructive points. Oh, let's work on this and get better next time. Well, what is let's work on this and get better next time look like. The purpose of the feedback may not be evident to either the leader or the teacher or the person receiving this. And we've gotten to do some really exciting work over the last couple of years with graduate medical education programs, working with like faculty and residents on giving feedback. And there's a great chasm there where many medical school um, students or residents don't feel like they're getting great feedback, but faculty members feel like they do a great job. That's a huge part of their day is giving feedback. Well, sometimes as a leader or as a faculty member or as a teacher or as a preceptor, we're not always clear on exactly what we want that learner to change. And if we're not clear about it, how can we ever make sure that they're clear that this is the issue or the behavior that we're trying to address? Quite honestly, one of the most frequently cited barriers that we hear is this next one, a feeling that there is limited appropriate time or location for a feedback session. And so we'll look at some tips for that. Limited training on giving feedback. In fact, if I were to pull everybody right now and feel free to shout out if you feel different, how much training did you individually get in either professional school, medical school? I know we've got a lot of physician leaders registered for today's session, uh, your graduate school program, on giving feedback. 
typically what happens is that we learn by experience and experience can be a great teacher. And sometimes we learn from stubbing our toes and having the self-reflection to learn from that. We doubt about our observation. We second guess ourselves because sometimes one of the hardest things to get feedback on are behaviors that seem and feel like they are subjective. It's, it can tend to feel easier giving feedback on procedural or clinical or technical skills. And we're also can doubt or feel uncertain about how to translate those observations into constructive feedback or behavioral changes. And so I want to make sure that we share some examples of that today. Just personally reflect on which of these feel easier or harder for you individually and as a team. And so these are some of the things that we heard from you because we have poured over your feedback when you registered for today's session. These are some of the areas that you cited you feel successful with, and we've summarized them and and collapsed them. There's a lot of really rich feedback. Um, The sense is that it feels easier when you're giving a positive affirmation, when you're giving feedback to staff that directly report to you or that you've got a trusting relationship. When you're with somebody, you feel that you, you can be honest and open with. And that it depends on the personality of the person who's going to be on the receiving end of the feedback. What I thought was really exciting is there were quite a few comments that um, among those participating that you feel stronger giving peer-to-peer feedback. And I can tell you that was not the situation in an organization I was working with last week uh, where peer-to-peer conflict felt insurmountable because all the conflicts seemed to fall into the cracks and crevices of the organizational chart to the people that you feel closer to and that you trust won't hold that against you to an individually directly and in one-on-one conversations. It can feel really hard in a group setting giving feedback because we don't want to, you know, have somebody feel called out because we don't want to, you know, toss out an issue. And then if, if you've ever been in the meeting where somebody gives something constructive to a group, and you feel like it's targeted at one or two individuals and you're left leaving the meeting, gosh, were they talking about me or were they talking about somebody else? We're more comfortable based on your feedback in those one-on-one conversations. So so where does that feel hard? Where are the challenges? Um, You know, just not feeling that this is an area of of strength. It's kind of underdeveloped. Uh, Remembering and, and having that empathy that somebody might be dealing with somebody, something challenging that caused them to do something um, that was, you know, might have been perceived as negative by another department or patient and family. So just having that spatial empathy to my leaders, giving feedback up can be one of the most challenging opportunities, especially when we're working with somebody um, who might be extraordinarily busy. We don't want to take up their time or we don't necessarily feel like it's going to be received well. So that lifting that feedback up, we'll address that. Wanting to provide feedback in a way that's perceived as meaningful and positioned to help the the individual grow. How to respond to difficult administrative leaders. And, And we've seen this in kind of microcosms where it's feedback, let's say in an emergency department, that's difficult to share about a policy and procedural change with uh, a nursing or an operational leader versus facilities trying to give um, tough feedback to divisional and even corporate leadership. Feeling comfortable giving less positive feedback, 
you know, looking for an effective approach. And I hope our five steps will help with this. And, and how to give feedback to the difficult defensive person. We know, we know that those exist to management and then being succinct and, and specific. So those were the points of feedback. And I'm going to keep I printed it and highlighted it. And I want to keep referencing it as we spend time on our session today. So Harvard Business Review published some research a few years ago across all industries, over 2,000 leaders. Almost 70% experienced discomfort communicating with employees, period. 30, which I don't see as much in healthcare, um, with the caveat that sometimes I think we struggle with communicating feedback across shifts. We tend to be more comfortable giving feedback to our dominant shift, let alone when things cross boundaries um, or barriers in, in the time clock. And only 37% felt really comfortable giving direct feedback that could be perceived as criticism. So this is something that we are not alone with. And one question that I would just ask for you to consider, and this is something we love doing in breakout sessions, um, we do workshops on this, is for just take these two examples. What's harder for you? Telling your boss something you know will be hard for them to hear or hearing something from a staff member that you don't want to hear, an issue that you thought was resolved, an issue that you feel like, I can't believe we're talking about this for the 10th time. And so the, the perspectives here is that when we do this in a larger setting, we tend to hear it feels harder to tell our boss something. And the, the big ask here from an empathetic standpoint is that if we find it harder to tell something to our boss that they don't want to hear, how do we double down on our listening? Because we know there is a huge psychological safety barrier for our staff to tell us something that they are afraid that they are afraid that we don't want to hear. And we use different images of this a lot because at the end of the day, reality can be so complex that equally valid perspectives from differing vantage points can be can appear to be con contradictory, but the reality is we just see things from a different perspective and we bring our own strengths and, and context to any given situation. And so when it comes to impression management, this is something that we're really good at. And that's why this is a, a big focus of our conversation today. When work is complex and unpredictable, a la healthcare, nobody wants to look ignorant or incompetent or intrusive or nosy or negative. And so we've found defense mechanisms to project management or to project confidence over this. And so when it comes to one of the big barriers we see in giving feedback, it's overcoming this. Because if somebody doesn't want to look ignorant, they're not going to ask questions or they're not going to say, I don't understand, or can you help me see this or show me this? People don't want to look incompetent. And so they want to put this veneer on and they don't want to admit to mistakes or weaknesses. Or again, that I'm not sure how to proceed or can you be, can you clarify that? Or when you said this, I didn't understand it. They don't want to look intrusive or a troublemaker. So they don't want to offer ideas or alternating views when a decision is kind of, you know, on the rails and, and going forward on that train. And people don't want to be that perceived as that, you know, troublemaker. They don't want to be seen as negative. And so they don't want to, you know, kind of 
Building on that last one, critique the status quo or, hey, I feel like my idea is not going to be listened to because the decision's already been made. And so this has become second nature. And this is some great work done by Amy Edmondson, who I had a chance to uh, meet a few years ago at Stanford's Medicine X. Um, And so one of the keys to giving feedback isn't always what we're saying. It's how we're listening. And so good listening overall, this is some resources that we've done for those of you that are part of our Compassion Tribe work. Communication misses jeopardize relationships not only with patients and their loved ones, but across our teams and with our staff. And communication failure is the number one cause of both sentinel events and malpractice cases. It's also one of the key drivers of both the patient experience and employee and physician engagement. And the foundation of all good relationships, and sometimes we have to get to trust on the spot when it comes to giving feedback, is that relationships are built on communication. It's the key for engagement. And communication, especially when we are, you know, cueing ourselves into 93% of how we communicate, which is our nonverbals, we're cueing in, do we need to turn our defense mechanisms on? Are we bracing ourselves for that emotional impact? And so, you know, just an exercise, and we'll send this tool out with the tip sheet following our session today, is do we have blind spots? These are some common mistakes that leaders make. And the best leaders are the best learners and always looking for growth in our experience, not communicating expectations, assuming somebody understands your intent or why, waiting, perpetually waiting for somebody to do the right thing, not being mindful of the nonverbal cues of yourself and others, and really turning that spatial awareness on. As you can tell a lot from somebody If you're trying to give them feedback and they're distracted or they're looking away or they're not making eye contact or you're getting the arms crossed, not being present to actively listen. And one of the hard things about giving feedback is we're constantly tripping our own defense mechanisms. And so we've got to maintain that practice of presence, failing to coach towards the desired results. And I saw that's Uh, A point of feedback is needing help with the follow through. We get through the conversation and then we want to believe that everything is going to be resolved. And so that follow through is a big part of the steps that we teach with giving feedback that we interrupt or we do the buts versus the yes ands and listening to respond versus listening to understand. And so just kind of do your own self-reflective practice around where do you feel strong? What are a few development areas for you? And where does listening come into play? So let's begin with the end of the end in mind. One definition of giving feedback, and we, you know, we also have a separate recorded session on conflict management. There's there's a, a parallel track, but there's also some real differences when it comes to conflict and then giving feedback. So information describing the individual's performance in a given activity that is intended to guide their future performance in that same or related activity. So this is really taking on our role of leader as coach. And the most effective feedback is a two-way conversation. Feedback is not best delivered with a megaphone. And I'm not talking about those instances like during a code where we have to be super direct. It's the debrief. It's the follow-up. And you've got a willing coach or leader and a willing learner. 
And so here's some really simple do's. I'm gonna cover these quickly and then they'll be available in the worksheet. Setting clear expectations, inviting the, the learners or the you know your team members' perspective or your senior leader's perspective, making it timely. It's really, really hard to give feedback six months later. Assuming, assuming and conveying positive intent. Just that simple, you know, mental nod to, I want to assume that this person is doing the best that they know how to do. And I'm going to convey my positive intent because they're trying to size up if they can trust and respect this feedback coming from me. Focusing on the specific behaviors observed, guiding on those specific behaviors so that they can be corrected, focusing on the issue, not the person. Making it a conversation among allies versus adversaries, checking back in to validate progress, and do ask for ways that you can give better feedback to your team. Our team members, our peers, our supervisors, let me find my words here, really have some unique perspective that if we turn our spatial awareness on and our peripheral vision, we can learn a lot. So some don'ts. Understanding that the other person, the party understands the expectation or maybe the expectation that you might have created in your own mind sometimes. Delaying or bundling the feedback into an annual review or a mid-rotation review if you're from a residency program. Giving a laundry list of 20 things you want somebody to address. And when we do this in in person or for, for teams, we actually show a lot of safety examples of how we can give a ton of information about a really important safety matter. And really, we miss somebody's understanding of the top three things that are most critical. Skipping over observable praise. Sometimes the default is that giving feedback is just about sharing the hard stuff. And really, the most effective feedback also reinforces to build and broaden the things that we want to see repeated. And if it's a team member of Any place in the organizational chart only hears from us when we have something negative to share, that hard codes that expectation of anytime I see Katie, I know I've got a brace for my, you know, for what what I need to work on next. Avoiding giving direct feedback on behaviors that can, avoiding giving feedback on behaviors that can be changed. Sometimes we want to give feedback on things that can't be changed. We've got to really look at our processes here. Presuming the party understood or is immediately going forth and doing what we said. Dropping surprises. One of the most critical things that we see that has to be changed are the surprise meetings. You know, and you've you've probably been in one yourself. You may have scheduled them yourself. Help somebody understand this is why you're asking them to come into your office. And giving generic feedback. Nice work. Try to be more attentive. Try harder. And making it a one-way conversation, which is the epitome of uh, of a webinar like today. Um, So again, please chat in your questions. So let's take a look at when we teach the skill in organizations. These are the five steps that we really hone in on. Preparing yourself, learning the perspective of the learner, creating a plan together, realizing and validating, and then taking a moment as a leader to personally reflect and grow. And I went through these quickly because I'm going to spend some time on each one. So preparing yourself, 90%, and some of this has to be done really quickly and on the spot. Establish a positive, safe, and respectful environment. If you are angry, 
that is probably not the best time to jump into a feedback session. Buy yourself time, take a moment to overcome the amygdala hijack. Just think about, and this is a part of the tip sheet we're going to send, what are the behaviors that you observe that should be praised or critiqued? Does the individual understand the expectation? Because if not, that's a really important starting point. Am I in a position from an emotional awareness standpoint and an EQ standpoint to separate the problem from the person? Can I articulate what I would like to see to continue to be done or done instead? And what is the outcome that I am looking for? Because if you're unclear about those things, how can you then parlay that to somebody else so that they can then easily digestibly learn from it and act upon it? And sometimes we have to match the feedback to the instance. I got to meet Chuck Stokes um, a few years ago at the UAB symposium at the time he was the ACHE president. He shared some really helpful tips for matching feedback to the instance. When it's an issue of human error, this is an inadvertent lapse or, or skip. It's expected. So we want to design systems to help people do the right thing and avoid doing the wrong thing. So we want to, from a response standpoint, really help support and wrap our arms around the person who made the error. Investigate how the system can be altered and adjusted to prevent it from happening again. Is this an at-risk behavior? So it starts to give us a little bit more concreteness to some things that can feel more subjective. Is this individually choosing an action without realizing the level of unintended, you know, the unintended outcome? And so counseling this person to why that behavior is risky, problematic, jeopardizes our service expectations or our retention strategies. Investigate why they chose this issue and enact some systems for improvement if necessary. So, you know, a, you know I'd say a minor, not so minor, but an example um, that came up in a coaching session earlier today was you know, some strategies around retaining new graduate nurses. And one of the root causes in this organization's investigation around this retention issue, and we're all trying to retain more people right now, was the the kind of the wrath of some of the physicians practicing in the floors when they make a mistake or when they're not sure about something. And so this is a great opportunity to counsel, how are we helping embrace these new graduates while they're growing into their strides with their confidence and competence? And then is this reckless or negligent, which is more of that disciplinary tract. And, and again, we're focusing on feedback today and we, we've got more resources on uh, dealing with these difficult conversations and, and conflict management, choosing that action with knowledge or a conscious disregard of the harm. And so when we move into this learning phase, the goal here is understanding the perspective of the person. If we're influencing from our perspective, it may not be received well or received in a way that they can digest. So we want to influence from their perspective. We're demonstrating respect. We're inviting a self-assessment. This is where calibrated questions are very valuable. Tell me about the situation um, in your interaction with Jane, our new graduate nurse on the floor. Tell me about how you think, you know, your um, discharge planning went with the Jones family. What do you think worked well? What do you think would have happened differently? What would you like to see done differently? These questions are calibrated so that we understand the starting point. And then we want to co-create a plan. 
creating an atmosphere for learning is involving that mentorship piece. And so we, this is our turn to share. Reinforce and correct the necessary behavior or practices or double down on the behaviors we want to see repeated. Some simple questions. Can I share with you some feedback? Narrate your goals and objectives for this feedback. And I'm going to share some examples. I want to share with this, this feedback with you because this is about patient safety. Or this is about making sure we're living our standards of behavior. Base the feedback on the direct observation. When I saw this, when I heard this. And create visibility by explaining not only why you're giving feedback, but why it was important. When we are not responsive to our patients and families' concerns and we feel that we're blowing them off, this jeopardizes their ability to speak up. So you want to narrate the why. Otherwise, it just feels like, oh, here's one more thing I need to work on or how I've disappointed my leader. So here's some instead of tries. Great job. You're doing fine. This is, you know, you've got some room to grow with your counseling skills. You've got superior clinical judgment. You're not really a good listener. Well, what does that mean? Invite, improve your professionalism. Try these instead. I like the way you did or said this because. I'm impressed with your ability to because. When I observed, I am concerned. This is for safety. Can I give you some feedback? This cues the listener in to pay attention. Let me demonstrate. And I want to teach you this. In my role as your advisor, your mentor, your leader, this is why this is important. And then realization, this is that validation. Was the message received? Let me confirm the expectations. Let me plan the follow-up. This is building next steps together. Ask the learner to share what they heard, the things that they're going to work on, they're going to continue to do. And you're queuing in, was the message received? Set the expectation for follow-up. Let's check back in next week. Let's go ahead and put it on our schedules. When's the next time you're going to be on shift? I'll plan to spend some time with you. Ask the learner, what can you do to continue to support them? Remember, this is a conversation among allies, not adversaries. Are there things that you can do differently to support them? Open that up and calibrate your questions so that it's, you remove the safety of a yes or a no question. And then here's some examples, because I know that that was brought up as one of the requests. There's a difference between backward and forward-looking feedback. Think about how helpful it is to hear feedback that you did a poor job in the eyes of a patient or their families. Just as one example, Sandy, last week, you should have been more responsive to Mrs. Sandoval and her family. The family felt like you were not attentive. We were short-staffed. We were, you know, we were overwhelming them with information about her care plan. What can you really do about that? So forward-looking feedback, this focuses on what can be changed in the future and scenarios to help somebody be even more successful. Remember, we're allies. Sandy, let's talk about setting expectations and our service behaviors. How can we demonstrate being attentive to our patients and their families? Are there words or phrases we should avoid to create the perception that we're short-staffed? You can use the whiteboard for any reinforcements you want to make about the plan of care. This way, the patient can know that what's most important to you at things like shift change and validate their understanding. So we're flipping our perspective to help somebody see in the future what they can change versus a retrospective review of what they can't go back, unwind time about. And then the last stage, 
reflection. This is about our personal growth. You in, in your role as a leader, as coach and educator, this is about our own personal accountability also. How do I feel like the feedback receipt was received? Am I confident, skeptical? You know, do I feel a little demoralized myself? Am I hopeful? What did I do well with? How can I grow and do better next time? What are changes I'd like to see in my resident, my new graduate, my peer? And what's my accountability for feedback? I just want to thank you so much for your most precious resource, which is your time and energy. And have a great afternoon, everyone. Thank you for your time. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Healthcare Experience Matters. Healthcare Experience Matters is brought to you by the Healthcare Experience Foundation. To learn more, please visit healthcareexperience.org. That's healthcareexperience.org.